0: Hello, everybody. Love talking thank you. Thank you. Hello. I've got to stop talking over the intro. Hello, everybody. Good evening. <clears throat> thank you for tuning into Faith Walk. For those of you that are listening for the first time, or for those of you that are listening to a replay, thank you for listening. Thank you for giving up a portion of your day to hear. My name is Minister Deidre Dent. I won't be before you long because this is a conclusion of a series uh, that was started. Entitled Rotten Fruit. And I just want to basically recap so that we're able to pick up where we left off. And Rotten Fruit, basically, I was explaining, I was breaking down impostors of the faith. Those that claim to be Christians and men and women of God, basically bringing a reproach against the ministry and confusing those that are in the world. And people not being able to understand the difference between a Christian. And someone that just says they're a Christian with their mouth. So in Galatians five nineteen through 21, it, it details the works of the flesh. And in that same chapter in verses 22 and 23, it gets into the fruit of the spirit. So I encourage everyone, when you are unsure, because we, we don't have to judge anyone, the, the word does that, but we, when you are unsure of what a Christian is, because we have a lot of celebrities, we have a lot of famous preachers, maybe even your own family and friends that are saying to you, I am a Christian. But if their life is not lining up with the scriptures, if they are not exuding any fruit, then they are not. Let's just say it and just get it out there. They are not. I'm not afraid to offend someone if I know that I'm using the scriptures. I'm not out to hurt anybody's feelings. But when it comes to the word, there's no compromise. So in Galatians 5, when you look at the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit, you can pretty much on your own draw your own conclusion through the word as to if someone is an imposter or not. So now people can stop saying Christians are fake, Christians are phony. No, people that are claiming to be Christians that are fake and phony are not Christians. So in 1 Corinthians 5, 11 to, 30, yeah, 11 to 13, the world tells us not to keep company with someone who professes to be a child of God that openly lives a life of sin. And I hear people say all the time, Jesus, he, he was friends with sinners. He hung with sinners. That's a scripture that's often taken out of context, Jesus was a witness to sinners. Jesus' testimony was unto the sinners, but Jesus did not hang with sinners. If I am witnessing and I am around someone and I am showing them through my actions or through my life who Christ is, that doesn't mean we're socializing and hanging out. Like, and so we need to draw a line in that because people don't want to give up friends. Give up friends that are of the world when you're professing now to be of God, and you use the excuse, Jesus hung with sinners. Like, first of all, that sounds disrespectful because he did not hang with sinners. Whenever he was around someone, not a second was wasted. Jesus was always giving parables. He was always breaking down the word for them to understand. He was always giving examples. Okay, Jesus was the son of God. He didn't just have time to waste to play around with sin. Jesus actually hates sin. He loves the sinner and he hates the sin and he is our ultimate example. I don't have a problem with sinners. I have a problem with the sin. So, yeah, I don't, if I walk into uh, an event that is full of sinners, I'm not just, I'm not going to turn around and leave and say, oh, this place is full of sinners. I can't be here. We are lights and darkness, right? So that means if we're the light, we're also surrounded by darkness. So when God, the Holy Spirit enters into your life, you're going to be surrounded by sin and darkness. It's not for you to remove yourself because you don't like the level of sin in the room or at the event, depending on what it is, of course. But you are the difference. You are the example. It's not for you to backslide and go back to your old ways. That's why separation is necessary. When God is sanctifying you and he's purging you, people separate you to clean you up because if you're not strong enough, you will backslide into your old ways. If someone is struggling with alcoholism, they don't need to be around the bar. I gave that example the last time because if being at a dinner and then the only seat you can get is at the sports bar, you don't need to go. You know, Paul said that we need to cast aside every sin and weight that easily besets us. So when we are talking about hanging with sinners, the only time we should be hanging or dwelling is if we're witnessing, we're giving an example, we're being a testimony. Of course, that work we're surrounded by them. There and our family and our friends, and it's not so much of a separation as of I am better than you. That's not what this is about. You are an example, so it is important to know that when you are around the world, you represent Christ. Even on a bad day, you represent Christ. First Corinthians six tells us that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. I talk to people all the time. I think it's okay that their ways haven't changed. They continue to do the same thing they've been doing for 10 years. You're still fornicating. You're still going to the club. You're still smoking weed. You're still drinking. You don't want to change. First, you have to stop lying to yourself and just admit that you're not saved. Just because you went up to the altar at six and said, Lord, come into my heart and save me, now it's 20 years later, you've had no fruit. You're not saved, and this, this is the problem. We're not hearing this teaching. This teaching is not popular, you know, because I'm not giving you a remedy to go out here and multiply your finances and get that spouse that you've been praying for. But I care more about your soul because at the end of the day, all of these materialistic things that we all want and we go after, it's going to burn up. Only the word of the Lord endures forever. So we've got to get our focus, right? It's not the time to be lost in distractions. It's not the time to be measuring how many holidays and cars we have and how popular we are, how many likes we get. What is going on with your soul? You know, a lot of us we out here, we pretty, we looking good, we making money, and we on our way to hell. And we don't even hear hell preached as much as it used to be because people don't want to hear it. The truth doesn't change just because you don't want to listen to it. I heard a lady say today, "Truth is only truth if it's been proven that it's true many times." Absolutely makes that 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 makes no sense at all. Truth is God's standard, even when we talk about the battle truth with the armor. Truth is not relative, okay. Truth does not have several sides. There is one truth. Truth is how God feels about a matter. And that's how you have to go off of and live your life, off of what God says, not the opinions of people or even ourselves, because we can all be wrong. So in conclusion of the Rotten Fruit series, we, we, we talked about people professing salvation but showing no fruit. So now you should be able to basically understand the difference. First uh, Peter 4, 17 through 18 says very clearly, for the time has come. That judgment must begin at the house of God And if it first begin at us Which shall the end be of them That obey not the gospel of God If the righteous would be saved Where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear So God makes a distinct difference Between the sinner and the ungodly Sinner being you're in sin uh, You have not accepted Christ into your life You are practicing sin You are in a state of iniquity Where when we speak of ungodly Those are the people that hold the truth of God in unrighteousness Those are the hypocrites That's the lukewarm church. Those are the same people that will cuss you out, right, get drunk, lie, and then jump on Facebook and want to pray for you, okay? This is what we're talking about, the ungodly, because you can't mix. You have to choose a side. God says be hot or cold because if not, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. But the problem is we don't want to change. We want the benefits of Christ. We don't. We don't want to go through the purge and process. We want. We just want the end result. And so when God talks about if the righteous scarcely we'll be saved, if we're just making it, <laughs> because Christ's blood is covering us. Because when God looks at us, either He sees the blood or He doesn't. And if He doesn't, we automatically are in the same category of Satan. Oh, how, how do I know that? Because we're going to where Satan is going when God comes back. There's no middle ground for us. There's no, you were a good person, you just struggled with this one thing that you didn't give me, so I'm going to let you stay with me anyway. Either we're going to heaven or we're going to hell. The church needs to return back to that. Jesus talked about hell. We need to get away from the prosperity. That's not going to happen because of all of the wolves and sheep's clothing, but people need to hear the truth. And I would rather speak the truth so that it leads to true repentance and true conversion, you're not going to profess to be a child of God, and there has been absolutely no change in your life. Hebrews 10.26 says, for if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins." So when you are constantly practicing sin in a state of iniquity, there is no sacrifice. I spoke for someone who said, well, there's just one thing that I'm struggling with. But other than that, I'm fine, but they don't want to give it up. So this is what you have to understand. God is not going to take anything from you. You have to willingly give it to him. God is not a bully. God is not a thief. So if you want to hold on to anything in your life that you know is sin and you're not willingly giving it up to God, that's the thing that's going to take your soul to hell because you've invited the devil in. Now he has a right to be there. So when we have strongholds in our lives, and that's what faith walk is, faith walk is conversion, right, deliverance. And then you're able to walk in wholeness. So when we're going through this uh, this deliverance process, this middle phase, this is where we have to go after those things that are in our lives that have been bothering us, that have grown up with us, that were imparted upon us. Because not everything falls off. We talked about that before. So whatever it is that you're struggling with, if it's low self-esteem and low self-worth, if you're bad with finances, whatever it is that you're struggling with, whatever that stronghold is, it is up to you to turn your plate down, to fast, and to pray, and to go after it. Do not let someone tell you you are okay when you know you are not. And it's so easy to find a church that is going to tell you just do your best, keep on, keep it on. It is so easy to find someone to comfort your sin. Don't allow that because that same person that's comforting you in your sin and encouraging you in your sin, they're not going to stand with you when it's time to stand before God. It doesn't matter how much good you do on this earth. The Bible says our righteousness is a filthy rags. God doesn't look at how many homeless people we feed and see how many points we get to get into heaven. Every time we do something good for somebody, an extra point here, and every time we, we didn't forget to pray, an extra point there, and then when we get to the end of our lives. Whoever did the most good deeds is getting in. That's not what the scripture is based on. We are saved by grace through faith not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. So this walk is a process, right? And anything in a process, when we talk about we're being tried and we'll come out as gold, that means we have to be burned up of everything that are in, those impurities that are in us so that we can come out clean, just as gold does. So you can't jump out of the fire. So it's the point of this walk With for those of you that are just starting off in Christ, you know, you're learning good, and you're praying and you're studying, then you may hit a wall, well, it's just one thing I don't want to give up, or it's just one thing I don't want to change, or it's the approval of people. That's the big one. A lot of people are, are afraid to stand for Christ because they don't want to be disliked. And that's one of the first things you have to get over as a believer. God said, if you were of the world, Jesus said this, if you were of the world, the world would love his own, but I had chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hated you. So can we please learn to be okay with people not liking us? And I say it with passion because I was guilty of that. I did not want to be disliked. If we can get over the fact that not only will people dislike us, but they will hate us. The scripture says, Jesus said they hated me without a cause. People don't need a reason to dislike you. You don't have to do anything to anyone. The moment they see your face, they have an attitude. And you did nothing to them. There's nothing wrong with you. You have to understand that the Christ inside of you is what's going to make a difference. If you walk into a room and everybody walk out, let them leave. You can't internalize people's personal problems. And if you know you haven't done anything to someone and you're trying to walk with Christ and is rubbing people wrong, it's the spirit that's inside of them. It's not you. So we have to first learn and accept that Jesus wasn't accepted. People love to say that they didn't like Jesus, so they sure don't like me. But you can't really open your mouth to say that if you're not really going through anything because, see, suffering for Christ and suffering in the flesh is not the same thing. We reap what we sow. And if you haven't paid your bills on time and you're facing eviction or foreclosure, you're not suffering for Christ. You're just financially undisciplined, you know. If you refuse to discipline your children and to be uh, a constant example in their life, and now they're at the age where they're older and you don't know where they are and they're out of control, you're not suffering for Christ. You were just disobedient. When we suffering for Christ, we have to realize that we are, our faith is being challenged. I love the book of Daniel so much, in him particularly, because they sought to find fault in him, and there was none. They sought to find error in Daniel, and they could find nothing. So they had to get him in relation to his faith of God. They couldn't find anything wrong with him. He wasn't mistreating people. He wasn't a hypocrite. He was a man of his word. They said the only way we can get him is if we tell him not to pray because we know he's faithful. Do the world know that we're faithful? Can somebody say to us the only thing? That I could get her on is her faithfulness to God, because I know they're going to do what they say they're going to do. I see the change in their life. I see how they're not acting how they used to act anymore. I see that they're calmer. I see that they're wiser. If no one is able to see these changes, you may need to check yourself. And we all at times have to do self-inventory. First Peter two, I'm sorry, Second Peter two twenty one says, "For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it." To turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. So, right then and there, God is saying, Look, it would have been better for you not to even know me than for you to know me and turn back to the world. And when we talk about backsliding, we know the scripture that says it's like a dog returning to his own vomit. But you know what's even worse than that? Because somebody can come to Christ and leave and go back out into the world. And yes, they're a backslider. What's worse is to stay in church and leave God, to come every Sunday, to sing in the choir to praise dance, and you know you're not living nothing. And the church that you're in, nobody's calling your sin out. How you can come to church and you can praise dance on Sunday, and on Friday night you in a club. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you tell God you're waiting on a spouse that you're sleeping with somebody else's husband or wife. Let's talk about the sin. Let's talk about the nasty stuff that keeps us from growing, that keeps our prayers from being answered. Just because you can go plug in Joel Osteen and this man will sugarcoat you all your way to hell and tell you that everything is going to be fine. Like he didn't God into a cartoon. Jesus is a happy, bubbly cartoon for all. There's no sin. There's no hell. We just all want to love one another. And you're just going to keep drinking this lemonade that he's feeding you because you don't want to hear the truth. the thing is, we only get one shot at this. When they close that casket, it's over. We don't get a second chance. Ecclesiastes 8.11 says, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. See, we live in a different time. You know, in the Old Testament, (laughs) I love in the Old Testament how the priests were so corrupt that they couldn't even enter into the temple unless they tied a bell around their waist, because at this point we're looking at God in the Old Testament. This is before Jesus came. This is before the mercy seat kicked in. So now we're looking at God and His infinite wisdom and in His judgment seat. So the priests would go into the temple, and they thought if they would drop dead because they, if they were unholy, God would kill them on the spot. They would drop dead. The bells would ring. And then those that were standing outside of the temple would have to pull their bodies out on the string, because that's, that's God don't play. But that same example, God hasn't changed. The scripture says he's the same God of yesterday, today, and forevermore. His words will not return void. He is unchangeable. That same God that was allowing these priests, these corrupt priests, these corrupt uh, spiritual leaders to drop dead. He's the same God. It's just that Jesus stepped in And Jesus is our mercy and he's extending mercy even right now. But because people don't see this as often, a lot of people are taking God for a joke. They think it's okay that they go into church looking any kind of way. When people another scripture they take out of context is come as you are. That's the heart matter. If you come off the street looking like you just hit the pole and you come in and you know you come to church for the first time, You're just coming in. Nobody should be attacking you or making you feel bad. But let me tell you something. If you're a leader of the church, a minister of the church, and no one can tell what you look like you just left the club and you coming up in the house of God, you need to be set down and corrected. Because there has to be a difference. There has to be order. Nobody wants you to tell them anything. You can't tell me how to dress. You can't there should be a difference. Because if you are – claiming to be a child of God, then you're an oracle of God. What you're telling me is that you are a vessel. And at any point, God should be able to speak through you. And don't get me wrong. You know, I like, I like clothes myself, but is it really appropriate for me to wear a bodycon dress and lead devotions? I mean, let's just be serious. What am I doing? Do I want attention that bad where I come to church to show off my body? I mean, is there not a time and place for, for things such as this? And when I say that, I'm only speaking to married people because a time and place is for you with your spouse. But I'm specifically speaking of people coming to church dressed inappropriately, and now preachers, they don't even want to say anything. I don't want to drive them the membership about, no, you don't want them to take their tithes and offering and leave. Let's, let's just tell the truth. Because if you are holding a standard of righteousness, you can't come down to the world and expect them to change. If we out here witnessing... We can't conform to them and then say, now be like me. What are they, what are they being like? You just turned into them. That, that makes absolutely no sense. You have to hold up the standard of righteousness so that they want to convert to what you are. If you are the example and you are the ambassador, you set the rule. How crazy would it be for a teacher, a teacher to go to school and instead of them up there teaching a lesson, they wouldn't sat down with the students, start playing and gossiping with the students, start eating with the students and playing on the phone. Where's with, with the teacher? What are, what are they there for? But that's, that's what a lot of the church is going through. They're so concerned with your money, they don't care that your soul is going to hell. You're paying tithes and offering to people. who They're not dealing with what you're doing behind closed doors. Jesus would have called it out, but they don't want to because they're more concerned about your pocket. B. In a ministry that's more concerned about your soul, not about how much money you make, not about how many gifts and talents you have, not about how good you can sing and how good you can dance. Don't let people make merchandise of you. Be with someone who can see inside your soul. So basically, when, when we talk about fully setting them to do evil, it's like, okay, I don't see any wrong. I'm going to keep going. It's just like a child would do. You know, if you tell a child, go to bed, you, I bet not hear from you again, and they get up and sneak and get a cookie. And they think you can't see them, they might try it again. Now, you're trying to give this child all the grace and mercy in the world. They get up, they take another cookie. Now, on the way to the kitchen and on the way back, they feeling real good. They get a little bolder. Maybe this time they go back and they grab two cookies. So people are the same way. We're just like children. We do things. We don't see any consequences. We do it again. I mean, we know about robbers. They wouldn't have got caught if they had just stopped robbing banks But they got stupid and cocky. Five banks wasn't enough. They had to go to six, and that's what got them caught up, right? Because we get cocky and confident, and even in sin, that's how sin works. See how much you can get away with? You push the envelope. You get away with that, you push the envelope again. The second Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some may count slackness. But is long-suffering, long-suffering, his long-suffering long suffering. Long is on another level. It's literally out of this world because he is sitting up there, Watching us be disobedient. He is long suffering to us, it, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, this is not a get out of hell free card. This is a I would that you prosper even as your soul prosper. And I'm trying to give you enough time to get yourself together because when I come back, it's final. It's definitely final. When you tell your child, if you did it, I'm going to get you again, any prone in that right mind, you don't want to beat your child. You don't want to. You don't want to cause them pain. But the Bible says, you know, <clears throat> not to spare the Raw you know, basically spare the Roth for the child. So we know we discipline our kids, but we don't want to cause them pain. So it's like I'm trying to give you as much time as I can. I told you not to get back up out that bed to get that cookie, but you just had to do it. Now i got to show you a lesson. God's patience is on a much higher level. And so he is long-suffering toward us, which brings me to the point of how we have to exude the same trait of long-suffering. We, it's the fruit of the Spirit. We don't have the right to not forgive someone. We ask for forgiveness daily. We screw up daily. How can we dare not forgive someone? You did this to me or you did this to somebody I love. I will never want to talk to you again. What if Christ did that to us? What if he said, you know what, I'm tired of you saying you are sorry. Every time I look up, you saying you are sorry. Oh, Lord, forgive me for all sins. I'm tired of it. How many times I got to forgive you for that? Why are you still struggling with that? How many times I told you to let that go, you won't do it. Why are you still watching that show I told you not to watch? Why you won't get up on time when I'm waking you up? If he dealt with us how we dealt with people, we'd all be in a world of trouble. And that's why it's easier for me to forgive now in my life because I'm realizing, God, every time I turn around, I'm asking for help. How can I hold a grudge against someone? I'm not God. Look, if anybody could hold a grudge, it could be God. After all, we did beat his son on that cross. And if he's willing to forgive us, who are we? Romans 1.18 says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. I want to say that again. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, being revealed, shown to us. This is coming from heaven where he dwells, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. This is pertaining to those that hold the truth of God and unrighteousness. These are those people. When I say an imposter of the faith and I could name names all day, but you already know who I'm talking about because everyone's a Christian and everyone wants the title, all types of celebrities. I love Jesus just because, you know, I. I'm in a club, and just because I cuss don't mean I don't love God. So when people talk foolishness like that, don't debate with a fool. Don't do it. Because either they live in the scriptures or they not, and words are cheap. A lot of times people learn with you from your actions. There are people in my life who claim to be Christians. I know they not. Their life tells me otherwise. But I don't have to tell it you wrong. No, you're not. I don't have to do anything but live because they'll see in my actions where they fall short. They can either take it and be offended by it and go on and disappear and move on, or they can be convicted by it. But what I won't do is I won't fellowship with those that hold the truth of God and unrighteousness, and I won't have binding friendships with enemies of the cross. That's the difference. Stop being so pitiful for everybody to like you, and you'll be okay with who God, who, who got, uh, who God called you to be. Ezekiel thirty three eleven says, Say unto them as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But at the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? He sends out all types of warning signs. Even whoever's listening to this now, this is a self-check for all of us. You know, I, I have to even preach to myself, least I fall. This, I'm not above this word. It comes through me first to even speak. So this is a, a, a sounding horn for all of us. We should always be in a conscious state of repentance. And we're repenting, not because we're committed iniquity, not because we should be out here purposely sinning, but it's because we're striving and we're hanging and we mess up. So we constantly have to ask for forgiveness. The good thing about God is there's still hope. If we're still living and breathing, there's still hope. Somebody don't have a chance. For someone, their soul has already departed and they are gone. There are funerals every day. And it is late. For, it is too late for every single one of those people. It is too late for every single one of those people, and that's the tragedy in hell, everyone. It is perpetually forever. You can never get out. God is not handing out 10 and 20 year hell sentences. He's handing out eternity. Eternity. What would a profit a man <clears throat> to gain the whole world and lose his soul? <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> I'm just getting over cold, too, so Isaiah 55-7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. He's still willing to forgive. He's still willing to forgive all these false preachers out here preaching prosperity, knowing that your deacons ain't living nothing. You got pedophiles, you got homosexuals in the pulpit influencing this this younger generation. It was a point in time where we knew sin was wrong and we acknowledged it, but now sin has become so accepted in the church where if you say anything against homosexuality, then you're a hater. Well, let's, let's clear this up. God doesn't hate homosexuals. They're people. God hates the sin. It is a spirit of perversion, and it's wrong. And preachers can't be afraid to say that it's a spirit of perversion and it's wrong. I don't care how unpopular this is. Because I don't preach this to be liked. I preach it because it's the truth of God. And any situation God will put you in, he will deliver you in. When the Hebrew boys were told to bow by Nebuchadnezzar, they didn't bow out of pressure. Who wants to be burned alive? Let's be real. But they knew something that he didn't know. They have to answer to the one who can destroy both body and soul. Mm And they said we will not bow. And guess what? We need to have the same zeal. The same fortitude, those are our godly examples. Those are our brothers in Christ. You don't bow. I don't care what the world is saying or what the world is calling you. You should expect that anyway. Persecution, it, it, it just comes with the job. This is part of our territory. We're warriors. We don't fall down and get weak and get afraid. Read the Bible where it talks about the armor of God. He's not going to tell you to put on an armor if you're not in a war. The only time you get beat up is if you don't have your armor and You're going to let the devil run all over you. Don't let the devil convince you that you can't give up certain things. God understands. Just keep on sinning because he knows your heart. He knows your heart. That's another scripture taken out of context. He knows your heart better than you do. He even hears your thoughts before they enter into your mind. Think, this is a day-to-day battle. A literal battle. When we hear negative thoughts, you open your mouth and you speak the scriptures. You rebuke the devil. When you feel like you're lost, God knows all things. He said our footsteps are ordered. and all our ways, acknowledge him and he will direct our paths. Nothing about your life is a mistake. Who you marry, where you live, where you work, nothing is by oops or a surprise. You are the only one surprised. God is not. If we would trust and have the faith in him, this is called Faith Walk. This outreach program is called Faith Walk because this is something that I have to live day to day. Whatever you say out of your mouth will be proven, but it is time enough for you to see the imposter so that you can learn how to pray for those people that think they're saved because that's the trick of the enemy. If he can convince you that you're okay, what are you repenting for? We're almost out of time. We are almost out of time, and we have to give an account for every word, every deed, and every thought. We don't have time to fight and bicker over, well, I won't hear that sermon because it's coming from a woman. God don't talk to women. We are allowing all types of things that that are already in the church to tell us what we should be doing instead of listening to the word. We're running out of time, literally. I'm actually running out of time on here. (laughs) But in all of this, be encouraged. If you know you holding on to something that you're not supposed to, let it go because all you're doing is giving the devil something to hold on to. And as long as you see that he's going to whip you and he's going to whip you real good, you can't beat him. That's a battle that doesn't belong to us. It belongs to the Lord. We have to suit up. God will fight, but suit up. Don't let the enemy whip your tail. Some of us are married. Some of us have children. It's not just about us. This is a real spiritual warfare. So in closing, I want us to to stop calling everybody a Christian, stop doing that, stop doing that because they're not. And if you are coming in contact with these people, you can take them to the scriptures, better yet, live the scriptures, then they'll get a really good example of what it is. And then move on from it. You're the standard, you're the gazing stock, and you're the light. Be the difference, Father God. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for another faith walk night. We pray God that Your Word will marinate into our hearts, and that It would check every area that needs to be cleaned out and registered. We pray that You would continue to purify us, that we would come out as pure That You would continue to increase our faith, God, and our obedience. We thank You, God, for blessing us to be the example of God, not to be weary of man, God. For You said, "What is man if Thou art mindful of him? But to fear the One who can destroy both body and soul." So we thank You, God, for Your call. We thank You for the walk that You placed us in. We pray, God. So we would cast all our cares upon you because you care for us, God, and you know what's best for us. We pray that we would acknowledge you in all our ways, God, so that you can direct our path. Thank you, God, for teaching us to be bold, not to bow, not to compromise, not to be afraid, and not to have fear in Jesus' name. So don't be afraid, everybody. You don't be scared. It's okay to be different because you're a leader. Leaders don't follow, never have, never will. We are not of this world. The sooner you accept that, for those of you that are still running, the sooner you accept it, the better. And for those of you that are in the race, keep going. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Life tries to destroy you, but God won't let it be. Continue to trust in him because keep in mind, even if they throw us in the furnace, we won't be burned. You all have a blessed night. Bye-bye.